So your eyes are not deceiving you. Yes, we are following up a three-week series on worry by discussing money. Right? So get it out if you need to groan, if you need to bust out the sackcloth and ashes and weep before the Lord. How could they do this to us? They just got done picking on us about about worrying. Now we're going to be talking about money. Uh, Just get it out of your system because we're not changing. For the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about money. And um, there's a purpose for that. We're going to talk about money unapologetically. And the reason is, is because the, the pastoral team of this church cares about you as a disciple of Christ. We care about your maturity as a follower of Jesus Christ. We're going to talk unapologetically about money because the Bible talks more about money and possessions more than any other subject. Do you realize that? We're going to talk unapologetically about money because Jesus talked more about money and possessions more than any other subject except for the kingdom of God. So we're going to look honestly and openly about this topic of money and ask ourselves what's expected of us as followers of Christ. You see, we're going to talk about money because it is an act of of faith. And money that is treated in a biblical manner will put God first and it will be an expression of worship and thankfulness. But we don't typically like to talk about money, right? I don't. <laughs> I know for me as an expert worrier, uh, this is a great trigger for me to start worrying. And I have to start going through all my, my truths and reminding myself that, uh, you know, it's not all up to me. So worry, is, so worry and money are closely tied together for me. But we're going we're gonna to talk about money and we're going to talk about giving. And the reason is, is because um, it's important, but it's not easy to talk about. It's so personal, right? Money is so personal uh, to us. And, and a lot of us have, have made big mistakes with money, right? Everybody who's bought a lottery ticket thinks to themselves, what was I thinking, right? We've all made big mistakes. Some of us are really, really good at making really big mistakes with money. Some of us, we, we've learned some really bad habits from our family. We've got some baggage about money that we've learned from our family, So we're going to spend the next three weeks talking about money, but we're going to be talking about one specific aspect of money, and that aspect is giving. We're going to be looking at giving, and specifically we're going to look at the why, the what, and the how of giving. And we're going to do this from from a biblical perspective. I know what the world has to say about money. I know there's all sorts of gurus and and experts out there. But for us who are followers of Christ, what should matter most to us is what God's word, i.e. what God has to say to us about money and what expectations he has for us on how we handle it and how we use it. So I want to invite you on a journey to look at the incredibly important aspect of faith and money. I want to invite you to hang in there. I know, I know for many of you, there was just this inward groan and this, you know, withering away that your soul felt when you figured out that we're going to be talking about money and talking about giving. I know for, for a lot of you, there's this kind of uh, 
negativity towards this idea of pastors standing up and talking about money. Well, I, I want to stand up here and be honest with you. I think that's a subtle strategy of the enemy. To, to create this resentment in us about talking about money in God's house and, and with God's people. Because obviously, if, if God's word talks so much about money and possessions, and Jesus spent so much time talking about money and possessions, I think there's some, some subtle insight there that it's probably crucial for our growth as followers of Christ. And so if the enemy can create this distaste for us to talk about money and this, this, this willingness to ignore it and put it aside and say, well, that's up to me and my family and we'll decide how we do that. And, you know, you just keep it to yourself and, and we'll do it on our own and figure it out. Then the, the enemy can keep us weak in our discipleship and immature. I think if we're going to be mature followers of Christ, we have to say, well, if it's important enough to the Bible and it's important enough to Jesus talking about, we should probably uh, honestly look at it and see what God has for us and what God might say to us. And I'll make this bold claim to you. If you'll allow it, I believe that if you put into practice what this sermon series has to say, that it'll be life-changing for you. I'll make that bold claim. Because giving will test your faith. And the testing of your faith will open up you and your family to a deeper, more healthy and robust relationship with Christ. And obviously, the closer we can go to Christ, the, the closer we can connect with him and the more we can trust him, the better off that we'll be. And, and this topic of, of money is going to challenge you. It challenges me. I don't like talking about it because if I preach on it, then i got to practice what I preach. But I know that if I can develop some healthy habits and a healthy viewpoint, that, that I'll mature as my generosity grows, so will my spiritual maturity. Let me give you an example. Let's just pretend. College students, don't run up here. This is just an example, okay? Let's pretend I had $5 in my hand. Right? Just stay in your seats. Just an example. I really don't have $5, okay? And I gave it to you. How much would that impact my, my spiritual growth? How much would that impact my faith? A little, right? It would, it would, you know, probably put a smile on my face. And if you're a big fan of ramen noodles, it would put a big smile on your face. That's like a month's worth of ramen noodles, right? You could get all the flavors, get the variety pack going, but it really wouldn't have that big of an impact. Why? Because I can afford $5. That's not a big deal to me. But what if, what if, what if I began to feel the Lord burden my heart? Again, call students. This is just an example. What if I felt the Lord burning my heart, burdening my heart to give you $10,000? That's a different story, Right? I, that would change everything. I would begin to have to really put my faith into practice. I would have to go before the Lord and say, are you sure? I don't know if this is right. Are you sure? It would change the way that I live. It would change some of the priorities that I had. It would cause me to have to sit down with, with Christine, with my wife, and say, hey, this is what I feel like the Lord's burdening me to do. We need to pray about this. We need to move some stuff around. It would truly 
take an act of faith to give you $10,000. So see how we view money can greatly impact, how we treat money can greatly impact our faith. And here's the interesting thing about faith. Faith is a lot like courage. Man, we, we so appreciate people who express courage, right? We just, we just appreciate that and we celebrate people who, who, who express these great moments of bravery and courage. Why do we do that? We do that because we know they're, they're, they're fearful. We do that because we know that the courage isn't the absence of fear, that courage is taking action despite your fear. And we appreciate that and we celebrate that. Well, faith is a lot, of the, is a lot the same. It's very similar. Having faith doesn't mean we do not have fear. Having faith means that we act and we trust despite our fear or worry or doubt, all of those things. So, so hear this. Hear this. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. Giving to God is not about money. Let me say that again. Giving to God is not about money. It is a spiritual act. It's an act of discipleship and worship and faith. It's about ministry. It's about obedience. It's about growing in, in, in grace and in trust with Christ. And see, as a pastor, if I didn't talk about giving, then I'd be leaving out a huge chunk of biblical theology and life as a disciple. And, and I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to fall into the schemes of the enemy of treating uh, this idea of giving and, and, and sacrificially, uh, you know, making your finances available I don't want you to be ignorant of that and fall into that trap of, 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 our, of our enemy, Satan. So I want us to dive in and look at this with open eyes and with, and with honesty. And so we're first, we're going to look at the why of giving. And much of this sermon is influenced and, and guided by an excellent book. If you're interested on this topic, uh, it's a book by Herb Miller entitled Full Disclosure. And this, this book is interesting because it claims to list out all of the biblical examples of how we should treat money and possessions. So if that's something that, that stirs your heart or something that you're curious about, highly recommend Full Disclosure by Herb Miller. So the first why of giving is simple. Financially giving puts God first. Financially giving puts God first. Because we spend money on the things that are important to us, Right? We normally pay, pay those important things first. You know, we, we uh, pay our mortgage. We pay our car payment. Uh, we pay our Xbox Live uh, membership, right? All those things that are crucial to our existence as human beings. Is it still Xbox Live? Is that, is that, the, is that a still a thing? Or play, PlayStation's free though, right? That's, oh, no? I'm getting no's. Okay, never mind. I'm off topic. And, and out of my, obviously out of my wheelhouse. So, we spend money on things that are important to us. And that reveals what's important to us. It reveals our hearts. It reveals our priorities. 
how we spend our money, and what we spend our money on. So if we discipline ourselves to make giving an, an, an act of faith, it's going to help develop our hearts to not only make God a priority, but make God our first priority. Do you see how uh, this, getting this wrong is such a successful strategy of our enemy? If he can get us to look at money in a wrong manner, he can place someone or something else in the primary position of our lives. A role in a place that only God should serve in. I want to I reread our text from earlier. Uh, I want to look at it again. This is the religious law of Israel. This is Exodus chapter 22, verses 29 through 30. It says, and I love the way that the New Living Translation puts it. You must not hold anything back when you give me offerings from your crops and your wine. You must give me your firstborn sons. You must also give me the firstborn of your cattle, your sheep, and your goats. But leave the newborn animal with its mother for seven days, then give it to me on the eighth. I love how, again, the New Living Translation puts that. You must not hold anything back. Why? Why would God say that? Because it is a gift, a gift to God. We can't hold anything back because in doing that puts, again, somebody else in the primary spot instead of putting God in, in the place of, of supreme importance and priority in our lives. Now, I don't want you to miss this idea. We can, we can argue about how much we should give or, or the details of giving, but the main point is that giving to God puts him first. And when we don't hold anything back, it especially puts God first. Now, later on in Exodus, we read these words that come from the mouth of God through Moses. This is Exodus uh, chapter 34, verse 20. Listen to this. This is God speaking through Moses. No one may appear before me without an offering. That's pretty clear cut. No one shall appear before me without an offering. Or let me give you another example. Uh, in the Gospels, uh, in the, uh, let me see, in the Gospel of Mark, we have Jesus and his disciples, and, he, and this is kind of how I see it in my head. They're just kind of hanging out at church, right? They're hanging out at the synagogue. And at the, at the, at the entrance to the synagogue, uh, they had these, these big containers that people would drop their offering in. And these containers had a, had a metal cap on the top. And so as, as people were coming in and they were dropping their coins in, it would make a ting and tang and a, you know, kind of a metal contacting metal sound. And so obviously when the rich people came in and they had their big bag of money and they dump it in, it would make all sorts of noise and everyone would stop. It's like, whoa, somebody just made a donation, right? Go shake that guy's hand. That's a mover and a shaker in our community. How generous. But while that's all going on, a, a widow comes forward. And Jesus is watching all this. He's talking to his disciples. He's commenting on all this. And that widow takes uh, two copper coins that were worth about a penny. Drops some in. Makes almost no noise at all. And you know what Jesus said? Whoa. Stop, 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 stop. Peter, be quiet. Hold on. Y'all, come here, come here. I want to point. I want to show show you guys something. I want to come here, come here, disciples. Come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. I want you to notice something. 
you see that widow? And all the disciples were like, what? No. They were like, did you see that rich guy? That's who we need to be talking to, Jesus. And he points out how significant of an act of faith and giving that that widow had just expressed. This is, what his, this is Jesus' words in Mark 12, verses 43 through 44. Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of those who were contributing to the treasury. For all of them had contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had to live on. Now, I'll be honest with you, that, that scripture used to always bother me. I'm like, God, you're God. You're asking this widow to give everything, you know, and you're celebrating that and, and you know, all these rich guys are, you know, living off the interests of their money. And, and it, that just seems backwards to me. But this, this sermon series has helped me realize, again, that it's not about the money. She was not celebrated for how much she gave. She was celebrated for how much faith she had. That was the difference maker. That was what caused Jesus to stop and take notice and to pull his disciples together and say, this is important. You need to see this. You need to understand this. She was celebrated for the amount of faith she had in God, not for the amount of money that she dropped into the offering plate. That's why giving is so important for us to remember, that, that, that giving is an expression of our heart, is an expression of our trust, is an expression of who, is the, who has priority, who's first, who are we trusting, who are we believing in. Giving is an act of of worship. Every Sunday, we have an offering. Now, I know some people in here, uh, again, are, are struggling with this idea of talking about money. And, and so you think that when we pass the basket or we pass the plate, that it's really just about keeping the lights on. Well, we got to take up an offering and pay the light bill. You know, the youth ministry left the lights on again. We got to, you know, get some money going. Can I just tell you with sincerity that it's not, it's not about paying the bills. It's an act of worship. It's an expression of faith and trust and thanksgiving to God. This act of worship that we, we take part in every, every week is just as important as the songs that we sing. Sorry, Jason, it is. It's, it's as important as uh, the scripture reading. It's as important as the sermon. It's, it's just as important as all of those things. Uh, and I, you could make the argument that it's, it's more important because this interaction that we have right now, some of you guys might say amen or smile or point at your watch when I'm going over time, but there's not a whole lot of interaction. But you and that moment of giving is a, is a bold expression of your faith. It, it can clearly reveal to you how much you trust in God and how much he's a priority, right? If you don't want to listen to me, you don't have to. But how you give and how you respond to that plate passing in front of you is going gonna, is gonna to be a bold message uh, to your heart of where God stands. Now here's what's interesting about, I don't know if you've noticed this in the way that we, we order the service. This, is, this kind of falls into church tradition that, that we take up the offering after the sermon. It's not because we want to see if you really like the sermon or not. <laughs> We take it after the sermon because it's supposed to be a response to God's goodness. 
It's supposed to be a response to what God has done and given to us. How he has moved us and healed us. And, and it's supposed to be an expression of thanksgiving. And remember, giving is an act of worship. So we, we got together, the preaching team, and we came up with this idea. We wanted to, we know that some of you guys, uh, you give weekly, and that's great. Some of you give uh, monthly. Some of you guys give quarterly. And we, we don't want to debate over which is better. They're all fine. But we want everyone to be able to participate in the act of worship and thanksgiving when we take up the offering. And so we wanted to, to invite you to consider this opportunity. We want to invite you uh, each week when the offering plate comes by, as it, as it touches your hands, would you just take a moment, a quick moment, and say a prayer of thanksgiving to God so that your heart and your faith stays engaged, whether you give online or you give uh, however which way, that that, that that moment in the service would stay a, a time of worship, a time of thanksgiving, an, an expression of faith. See, it's interesting, 20, in 25 different places in the Bible, financial giving is, is equated to worshiping God. 25 different times giving is lifted up as equal to worshiping God. In fact, in the, in the book of Psalms, Psalms 96, 8, it says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Did you catch that? What was the, what was, what was the order? Bring an offering and come into his courts. See, that offering, again, it... it it not only reveals our hearts, it prepares our hearts. It says, I'm going to trust in the Lord. I'm going to say it's not all up to me. I'm going to cling to the promises that have been revealed to me in God's word. And that prepares us to come into his courts and receive whatever else he might have for us. You see, I, I hear a lot uh, as a pastor, we, we hear a lot uh, as we begin to pass the plate, people kind of equating to that is to paying the bills. We talked about that earlier. And, and I can just tell you for the, for the, for the preaching team, that, that really gets on our nerves. Um, no offense if that's you. We love you and we're praying for you. Uh, and we know who you are, so it's okay. But it, it grates on our nerves because it disrupts the whole purpose of that giving. It makes it about the church. It makes it about the church. And can I tell you, you are not giving to the church. Did you realize that? When we take up this offering, you are not giving to the church. You are giving to God through the church. And for me, that was a game changer because it was a little, it was easy for me. Uh, you know, I still struggle in this area of just being faithful and consistent. Uh, but it's easy to be like, oh, well, you know. We took up a big offering, it's fine, you know, I'll, I'll just skip this week and I'll catch it up later uh, and I'll, you know, I'll, you know, whatever and I'll, you know, it's not that big of a deal and there's grace and, and all those things. But the reality is if I change my mindset and I think I am giving a gift to God in response to all the overwhelming and just amazing gifts that he has given to me, that changes my attitude. Then it's not, a, it's not an active duty it's an act of worship it's an expression of thankfulness of faithfulness 
of celebrating God's goodness and celebrating his trustworthiness. Because it takes faith to take that, that tithe or that offering that you could use to pay down a bill or, or to do whatever with or go have fun with to say, no, 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 this is a gift. It's a celebration. It's a thanksgiving. It's a, it's a trusting in God. It takes faith and it takes discipline to do that. So, so that's the why. That's the why for giving. It is an act of worship, and it makes God the priority. And, and that, that's our primary focus for this sermon. It, we, we could have talked about a, a thousand other different things. Uh, we didn't even talk about how uh, giving helps us to act as God's stewards. We didn't talk about uh, giving and how it's supporting God's missions or his purpose or that our giving uh, is showing others the importance of our spiritual walk and our faith and, and encouraging them to have that faith. We didn't talk about how our giving uh, is used to help others in need or how our giving has to be married to faithful living. We didn't even talk about those things. And the reason being is because if we don't get the first part right, then all the rest is just fodder for guilt and conviction, and pressure. And I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't feel like I can worship out of guilt. I don't think I can celebrate out of guilt. I don't think it's healthy to be pressured into praising God. I think that I should be motivated to worship and praise and trust because I've looked and I've seen and I've acknowledged how God has moved and worked in my life, how he has loved me and how he supported me and how he pulled me out of the pit and how he healed me and how he leads me and that all of those things, that I meditate on those things, that it should bubble up with thanksgiving and praise to God and so that so my giving is, is an act of worship and it's an expression of, you know what, God, you are worthy of being first. You deserve to be the priority in my life. That is why we give. Should be why we give. We cannot forget that. So I just want to encourage you as we wrap up uh, to consider some next steps. Because again, I confess to you, uh, I have to work at this. I have to be intentional about keeping God a priority when it comes to money and giving. So a couple next steps. Um, when the offering plate goes by and, and you place your connect card or you place money in it, be intentional about praying. Praying and thanking God and, and acknowledging his trustworthiness. Uh, or when you write a check, swipe a card, give cash, be intentional about praying and thanking God for that. Right? Because it's all God's money. I love John Wesley's quote on money. Uh, stop me if you've heard it. He says, it's not how much of my money I'll give to God. It's how much of God's money I dare keep for myself. I hate that quote, and I love it at the same time. It's not how much of my money I give to God. It's how much of God's money I dare keep for myself. That should be our attitude. Or uh, the last one, think about how you could increase giving as an intentional act of worship. How could you increase giving to be an intentional act of worship? Maybe you cut out 
uh, one Starbucks coffee run a week. And whatever that amount is, you know, $20 or whatever it is, uh, you know, I don't know. You give that to God, okay? Just look at different ways that you could say, I'm going to set this aside for a season so that I can give to God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for being worthy of worship. I thank you that you're worthy of our trust. You're worthy of, uh, of our gifts. You are worthy. And let's pray that we would remember that, that uh, we don't give to the church, we give to you. And then you, in your wisdom and, and, and faithfulness, you use those finances through your church to accomplish your plans and purposes. Help us to worship you in every way so that you remain the priority. In Jesus' name, amen.